run out of town. He was put in jail. He was treated with malicious and contempt attitudes and dispositions and actions mostly from the Jewish people. And he could turn around and say, but I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. It takes time to learn contentment. I would use the word contentment along with being joyful or happy. Because if I'm discontent, I'm not happy. I'm unhappy and I'm always struggling with something. So just remember that it's a learning experience, that it doesn't just happen. And Paul's body was no different than ours. He was a human being like we are. I think sometimes, however, that some people confuse joy with having a good time. There is a difference, you know. I like to have a good time. I like to get around people and laugh and, and, you know, listen to stupid jokes like I was just told. But seriously, and, and I like an entertaining movie, and, and I like certain kinds of music, but you know, that's all temporary. It doesn't feed my soul. It may be good for my life for a brief period of time, but having a good time from a worldly perspective is temporary joy at best. Well, that was a great concert. Yeah, but it's over now. You're not going to continue receiving benefits from that. The Christian life gives us benefits daily. Every single day that you can go to God in prayer. And that's what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. And, 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 and I'm thinking, you mean if I'll ask for wisdom that God will help me? Well, if you ask in faith, James would tell us. But if you don't ask in faith, if you doubt, you're, you're like a, the wave that's tossed by the sea. And, and you're unstable in all your ways. So it comes down to faith when you do talk to God, believing He will help. So having a good time is not the answer. You know, Moses would talk in, at least the Hebrews writer would talk about Moses in Hebrews eleven twenty five about the passing, passing, or should we say temporary pleasures of sin. He, he forsook Egypt. He knew that God had something better. And he knew that the ways of the Egyptians was wrong and sinful. Paul asks the question in Romans 6, beginning with chapter 20. For when you were slaves of sin, were you free in, re- you were free in regard to righteousness? And he asks the question in verse 21 of Romans 6, What fruit did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? What did living that kind of lifestyle really do for you? Did that really produce good fruit? Did that produce happiness? Did that produce good things in, in, in your life? And, and, and Paul says you're ashamed of those things now because they've come to learn Christ that the world's definition of joy and happiness, we know what it is. And oftentimes it's very sinful and it's one of more of those works of the flesh. And, and let me just ask you, are jealous people really happy? Are contentious people really happy? Are people who worship an idol that they know was made with the men's of hands, the hands of men, are they, they really happy? Are those who cannot keep a marriage together and cannot hold a relationship with one man or one woman, are they really happy people? If they were happy, they wouldn't be going around from person to person to person. And you listen to the way they speak, they're not happy. Worldliness never brings joy. 
It always brings bitterness and, and an ugly life. And Paul asks the question, what, what fruit did you have in those things? And then he says, by the way, the last part of verse 21 says, for the end of those things is death. But now, listen to him. Having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. So joy comes from knowing that a temporary happiness, which could be temporary and, if, and happy from a worldly definition, it causes the Christian who turns to God's word to understand that you don't have relations outside of marriage. When you do get married, you stay married to the best of your ability and you don't go around talking about people all the time and gossiping and you don't have a jealous heart and you certainly wouldn't worship an idol and you, you try to control your anger because outbursts of anger are a work of the flesh and, and you work on those things and you become a much happier person. Just contrast the two characteristics of the person who lives a worldly life with the Christian who tries to live according to the will of God. I know what kind of person I want to be around. I know who I want to spend my time with. I want to spend time with people who are seeking to do what's right and treat me right. Because if they don't treat other people right, they won't treat me right either. So, so Paul goes on to say in verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've heard of people who say, I don't want to live forever. Obviously, they don't know what eternity with God would be. They don't understand. You and I who have studied about God and His promises and the promises made to the Christian that there'll be no more death, no more crying, there won't be any more troubles, you won't be fighting with family or neighbors or the world, or you won't have any trouble. Eternal joy. Who would not want that? But between now and then we're faced with the challenge of trying to live a holy and righteous life and, and not allow things that, that can hinder our joy. Let's think first of all what we ought to be happy or joyful about. In an old song from the 1950s, the, the line said, If religion was a thing that money could buy, then the rich would live and the poor would die. Well, if you're talking about Christianity and eternal life, you can't buy it. But he's saying, you know, if, if that's only if, if rich people, if if they if you can only get those things because you're rich, then the poor person has no hope. Aren't you glad that everybody has hope? Everybody can have what Christ offers. Romans six twenty three says salvation is a is a gift from God. What did you and I do to earn what we talked about in class this morning for God to make that plan to save us? We had nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, we've worked against it. Whether we like to admit it or not, we've worked against it because we too have sinned. But God, because He loves us, He made a plan to take care of our problem. We understand salvation is a gift, and according to Hebrews 5 and verse 9, that obedience is necessary, but even in obedience... We're not earning salvation. We're just following the will of God to live as holy and righteous people. But think about some things that could, could, could hinder 
could hinder our salvation. Do you ever do anything that causes you to not be joyful? That causes you to be distracted from God's purpose in you in this life? When you think about the things that Paul lists there, jealousy, envy, those outbursts of wrath, those things don't bring happiness to life. They bring conflict. They bring bitter dispositions toward other people. They can breed hatred and contempt. And, and people like that aren't happy. And I think about some of the things that can cause us not to be happy is not trusting in God. Someone did a count of how many times the children of Israel complained against God during the time of Moses. And they said it was four. Times. And finally, I believe it's Leviticus chapter 21, God was had headed up to here with their complaining. And he sent fiery serpents among the people. And some of them died because they were complaining. Oh, we wish we wish we want to go back to Egypt. And we want the food that was in Egypt. And we weren't having to live out here in this desert and and, and we don't have a house in it. I just imagine all the complaining. And, and who brought them out of Egypt? God did with a purpose. And yes, they weren't in the comfort. You know, they, maybe they were in somewhat more comfort in Egypt. But it's in, when they were hungry, God sent them manna from heaven. When they were thirsty, he gave them water from a solid rock. He gave them Moses to lead them to a promised land that the Bible calls the land of milk and honey. And if you'll just drive your enemies out, you can have it, and you can have it all for yourselves, and you won't have any trouble. But they didn't listen to God even when they got there, and they didn't drive the enemies out, and they had to live with that for millennia, and still are, because of a lack of trust in God. And I think, well, how often do I fail to trust in God when times are hard? Maybe when it seems hard and I complain about it. And I think, is God any less discontent with me than he is with them if I'm complaining? Well, I, I just want things the way they used to be. I wish we could go back. Listen, even if we went back, some of the same things that happened then are still going to happen. We can't change a temporary world into a non-temporary world. It's going to, there are going to be problems now, between now and eternity, when the Lord comes back, and we want to go back, I, mean, I would like, I asked a friend of mine the other day, I said, how'd you like to go and be a kid for a few days? He said, I'd love it. I said, but you still have to come back where you are. You still have to go through all that. God lives with us today. Paul would, Paul would talk in his letter to the Philippians that, that he put those things behind him from the past. He says, they're just rubbish. They're They're garbage. But the one thing he did, he looked forward to the time he'd be with the Lord. Did Paul have a hard time? He sure did. How would you like to be a Jew? And then educated at the feet of Gamaliel, probably one of the smartest of the Jews of his day, and at one point obviously very wealthy, probably a part of the Sanhedrin, so he had an elite position, 
And then, then, then Jesus appears to you on the Damascus Road and a fellow named Ananias comes and preaches to you and you're finally convinced you've, you've been speaking against the Son of God and, and He really is the Son of God. And, and so you need to listen to Him. And, and Jesus, But Jesus told him, He said, I want you to show him the things that he must suffer for my sake. Paul went into the ministry of, a, of an apostle knowing he'd have a hard time. But when he got in the middle of it, he said, well, I knew I was going to get here. I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice, but Paul would tell us I had to learn this. Sometimes we want people back. I understand. My dad's been gone since August of 2012, and I think about him often. I wish he could come back. But you know he'd still have to go through the same things he did. Things wouldn't be any different. And and it's, it was a year ago today that my mother passed away. We were out of state. But I was happy for her because she had dementia. We started losing her long before she passed away. Death is a blessing for the faithful child of God. It's a blessing. And, you, and they're not having to deal with these struggles anymore. Why do we want to be so selfish as to bring somebody back? I guarantee you if we went to the other side, we wouldn't want to come back. But between now and then, we do miss people, and that's understandable. And we tear up, and it's hard. But I'll tell you what. When we die, we're going to see Jesus face to face. I want to see some people that I knew in this life. I'd like to see Moses that I never knew. I'd like to see Abraham. I'd like to find out if Adam made it or not. I'd like to know if Solomon really made it or not. That's kind of a looming question. But I really want to see Jesus. I want to see the face of God. That's what I want to see when I die. And that's what we ought to all live for. And whatever we see, however, however other people are going to be, Jesus would tell us that there's no marriage or giving in marriage in heaven is like the angels. And so when we get to heaven, it's not going to be like we sometimes imagine, but we're going to be in the presence and the glory of God forever. And he, we're going to serve Him. He's going to take care of us. But sometimes we wonder about things and we worry. I believe it's a sin to worry. Jesus would teach us in the 24th chapter, Matthew chapter 6 rather, that, that you know, you, you worry about what you put on, what you eat. And, and he said, listen, the Gentiles seek for all those things. And don't live like that. Listen, you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, verse 33, and all these things will be added to you. But he told us not to worry. Last time I checked, I'm supposed to do what Jesus said. That's hard though sometimes, isn't it? You lose your job. You lose your health. You have no family left. You're alone. I, can, I feel for these people in nursing homes that have nobody. I don't know how I'd handle it. But I know how Jesus said to handle it. Don't you worry. The faithful child of God is promised by the Son of God Himself. I will take care of you. Your Father in Heaven knows you need these things. And so what happens when you worry? It steals your joy. It robs your peace. You know, 
the next word in Galatians 5 and verse 22. It says, love, joy, and peace. I do not believe peace just is stuck in there accidentally. Because in order to have peace, I have to understand love from God's perspective. I have to understand joy from God's perspective. And then I can have peace when I start learning those things. You know, we should love God because He loved us when we were sinners. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, the Bible says when we were still, we were helpless. We were unable to do anything at all about our sinful situation. We were helpless. And Christ died for us. I don't care what you do, I do. I don't care how much money I have or how much money I don't have. It doesn't matter how good I am. I cannot do anything to pay for the price of my sins. That took the blood of Jesus. In Matthew 26 and verse 28, Jesus said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I can't give my blood for the remission of sins. And so we see in verse 8 that God demonstrates His own love toward us that while we were enemies, sinners, rebellious against God, Christ died for the ungodly. I remember some years back I was listening to a radio program right here in Chattanooga. I don't remember who the preacher was. I don't know who called in. The preacher was talking about sin. And the person called in on the radio and said, I want to tell you something, preacher. And the preacher said, what's that? The person said, I don't sin. And she said, uh, or he said uh, to the woman, yes, you do. The Bible says you do. Is it a sin to worry? Is it a sin not to trust God? Is it a sin to do some of those things that we might not want to think about as sinful? And I have to ask the question, why is that sinful? Because it says, just like the children of Israel, some 14 times they tested God through Moses. And God finally said, I am sick and tired of this. And he sends those serpents among them. And finally they confessed they had sinned. God put the pressure on them when they saw all those people dying. We've sinned. Maybe when we do that, it's short-lived like it was with King Saul. But it can't be. I have been in a place in my life where I didn't serve God. I was brought up to. The world attracted my attention. Just like Solomon tested himself in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He said, listen, I'm going to test my soul, my life, with all these pleasures of life. And with wine and women and had his own singers and had his own groves of food, uh, fruit and all of these things, he, he had more money than he knew what to do with, and he provided himself with all those things. And finally he says, you know what the fruit of that was? It was all vanity and grasping for the wind. All those physical things didn't bring me happiness, Solomon said. But sometimes when we're young, we think they will. But they don't. I've been restored to the Lord since 1982. And I am so thankful that God gave me that second chance. And I worry sometimes too. But it's a sin to do it. It's a sin not to trust God. And so when life is hard, go to God in prayer. James tells us, if you lack wisdom, say, Lord, I just don't know what to do. 
James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's trust. When we believe that God's going to help us through our difficulties in life, then we're kind of the relieved and kind of and breathe again. And, 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 you know, we may not be giddy with giggling and such, but there's a peace that Paul says that surpasses all understanding. When you go to God in prayer, Philippians 4, verse 6, he says you do that in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Life has its difficulties. It does. It's hard sometimes. And unfortunately, some people want to end it all right here. We watched a movie recently, and this man and this woman were together, and the woman said, well, what do you think about afterlife? And the man said, well, I just figured we'd go back to the earth, you know, and just kind of feed the trees or whatever. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that's what it is. There's no life after this. They think that taking care of their unhappiness is by suicide. It's the number one means of death among young people. And it's an unfortunate thing. They think that's the answer. But it's not the answer. Sometimes people want to to die to see loved ones. David hoped to, in 2 Samuel 12, to see that little boy that died. But we really should want to die to see the Lord. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. This man found the Lord. He found Christianity. He found the way, the truth, and the life. That no one get, can get to the Father except through Him, John 14 and verse 6. He sold everything he had to get the joy of knowing that he could have forgiveness of his sins, that he could live a faithful life for Jesus, and when he died, he could go and be with Him. How does a person become a Christian? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God in Romans 10 and verse 17. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Catch that word, diligently seek him. Not haphazardly, not half-heartedly, but diligently seek him. Jesus would tell people in John chapter 8 and verse 24 underscoring his deity, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And he repeated it. He wanted these people to go to heaven. He wanted the Jewish people to believe in him. He didn't want them to die in their sins because God is not willing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. And then Jesus himself would say, unless you repent, you will all in like manner perish. In Luke 13, 3 and 5. Peter preached that on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. People who killed Jesus. Men and brethren, what shall we do? They felt hopeless, helpless. Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some 3,000 people did that on that day. 
you come to a challenging time with the church, churches of Asia. In one of the letters in Revelation 3 at verse, Revelation 2 at verse 10, the devil's about to cast some of you in prison. You'll be tried for 10 days. But you be faithful until death and you'll receive the crown of life. Those people were going to suffer trials from the devil. You be faithful until death and you'll receive the crown of life. How do you think they feel now? that survived and stuck it out. Life can be hard, but there's a joy in the heart of the child of God who knows that no matter what comes his or her way, they can go through it with the Lord because I can, verse 13, Paul would say in Philippians 3, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Chapter 4, verse 13. Paul was in prison, but he knew he could get through it. You can get through it too. This church can get through it. You can get through it individually. And we can have joy and peace with God. There may be someone in the audience here this morning who's not a Christian. Or maybe you're a Christian, but you're not a faithful Christian. Some of us have been there. Some of us are here. Where do you need to be this morning as we stand and as we sing?